This is Nerd Podcast Radio, brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash nerdpodcastradio. Check out and support us on Patreon for tons of content, including a bonus episode for each episode. If you'd like to reach out to us, the best way to do that is our Nerd Podcast Radio Facebook page, where we share all sorts of nerdy stuff. You can also find us on Instagram, at Nerd Podcast Radio, and on Twitter, at Nerdcast Radio. Don't forget to review us on iTunes or whatever podcast provider you use. Reviews are important as they help our podcast grow. Thanks for listening, everyone. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio, your nerd home away from home. Welcome to Nerd Podcast Radio. I'm your host, Super Vegan Brian, and I'm joined by Kirsten Smartbarker. Hola. And do Anthony. What's up, Buttercup? David the Oh wait. I'm on the third. Damn it, Brian. <laughs> right as he said that I was gonna jump in with a the anticipation <laughs> killing me. Hey everybody. And we have a guest this morning, <laughs> a very special, amazing person has joined us today, another podcaster, Victoria Harper. Please introduce yourself. That is actually Queen Victoria. Queen so, Victoria. Oh, do yes, I that's very dare you, Brad. Do I need to add that? Did I, I, no, I, it's totally fine. Okay. It's actually better if I correct you because then I seem more like a queen. So, well, oh, oh, hold on a second. I'm going to leave all this in, but I am going to redo your in- introduction. Okay. All right. Trumpet fanfare. And we are joined by a very prestigious guest this morning. The Queen, Queen Victoria, has joined us for a very special high tea nerd podcast radio. Hello, your majesty. Hello. <laughs> I don't know. That really just came from nowhere. I felt like that was the appropriate, you know, don't know. Besides, you're um, not my queen. My, my queen's from 1580. <laughs> you, you care to explain... No, David. David, your queen. It, yeah, uh, Elizabeth the first, obviously, oh, because you're from yeah. you're from Renaissance. Renaissance. Yeah, Rana, yeah, yeah. Renaissance. Does that need to explain? <laughs> she is the queen, the the <laughs> land that time forgot, or Wendell, California. <laughs> uh, uh, Victoria, why don't you give a little bit of information about yourself before we jump in? Um, well, I uh, I was actually a musician. I'm in the band Todd the Fox. So Queen Victoria is my stage name. I am a drummer and a singer, and I do all kinds of shenanigans with that. And I do have a podcast called Murder Lab Media. Well, actually, it's Murder Lab. It's at murderlabmedia.com is the website. So it's about, um, tends to be about serial killers, but I don't just talk about one and like he did this and then he killed people and then he was killed. I like to compare serial killers. 
and or compare things about serial killers like movies compared to books about serial killers and that kind of thing. Oh, you are an appropriate guest this morning because we're going to be talking not about true crime, but untrue crime. Mm. But first. But first, we're going to play everybody's favorite game, What's Nerdy With You, where everybody talks about the nerdiest thing they've done in the last couple of weeks. And we vote using the patent Mike Myler widget system. So, Victoria, as our guest, you get to go first. What has been nerdy with you? Oh, what hasn't been nerdy with me? Um, so one of my major things is I tend to buy a stupid amount of comics every month. I've started getting into comics. I tried not to for this specific reason. So I literally last week went and picked up my $100 worth of comics that I tend to pick up monthly. And I go to Game Swap and Kettering. They're wonderful there. It's uh, primarily I focus on horror comics. And uh, so I noticed when I pick up these comics that I somehow was missing number two. So I can't let that happen. So I went to my comic shop, which is my first choice for comic shopping. And I bought not just the one I was missing, but I discovered there was a previous series of these comics. So I had to buy all of those. So I bought all of those. And then, of course, uh, I got those yesterday and I had to put them in my CLZ comic collection app so I can keep track of what I have and what I don't have. Um, I also, I would say, I feel like I got pretty nerded out trying to prep for this episode. I literally woke up in the middle of the night and was like typing things on my phone because I was afraid I'd forget like, oh, maybe, maybe I can mention this. And, you know, does this really fit in with this? And, wow. and then uh, this morning, I actually, because like I said, it's 11 o'clock my time. I'm three hours ahead of you. She's so, in the future for most so, of yes, us. So yes, I'm in the future. So I used that time to look over a game that I'm going to tell you about later. And so I looked through all that. And then I took notes on my Hunt a Killer box that I hadn't looked at yet. I took notes on that because um, I thought maybe you guys might be interested in the process that I go through with the Hunt a Killer. And Brent is often involved. So I went through all of that and I took notes. Um, a nerdy thing I did at work is we have a new system we're using and nobody asked me to. But I created an instruction sheet on how to use a function in that system because no one else had done it yet. So those were my nerdy things of the past week or so. Wow. It's like you covered all the bases. <laughs> That's pretty crazy. Queen Victoria, I have a question since you're in the future. Yes. Have the nukes dropped yet? Oh, God damn it, Anthony. Can we go one? <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Are we really going to go there? No, no, oh, we're thank not. You. It's too sad. It's thank too you. Let's, let's, yeah. I don't want to talk about it. Anthony, shut up. It, in Ohio, they have more pressing concerns like the Raven Queen returning. So, um, David, you're up. Yes. Well, I, a couple of things. Uh, my main thing, well, actually, my side thing, uh, as of Thursday, I've officially lost 70 pounds. Well, it, dude, that's amazing. It's a lot. I, I can't tell the difference, but apparently, I went to my second thing, I went to Strategicon last weekend. And uh, uh, everybody there was telling me how great I look, apparently. But like, I don't see it. But <laughs> anyways, oh, yeah. so my main I nerdy thing. I, and I, I went always to... see you on the podcast. Well, so. th thank you. I, I appreciate that. Uh, I went to Strategicon uh, last for President's Day weekend and played in a couple of minis games. Got to see a whole bunch of people I don't get to see very often. Say hi. Shook some hands. 
it was a very nice affair. Uh, they were enforcing vaccine. You had to be vaccinated to get your badge. And we had everyone had to wear masks and everything. So the rules were enforced. And it was a lot of fun. That uh, was bigger than the one before. There was. A, there were a good three, four hundred people there. It was it was very nice to see everybody. That was a lot of fun. Got to play in uh, two 15 millimeter miniatures games. Had some fun doing that. Good time. Good time. That, that's my nerdy thing. Uh, I, I got to go to Strategicon. How did it compare to the first live one after the pandemic? Oh, it was uh, twice as crowded easily. There was about twice as many people there as last time. And so I'm hopeful for next time there'll be even more. It was still probably about half of what it is normally, but it was a good sign. It's nice to see a lot of people hanging out. They did a couple of board game tournaments. They did, uh, they, yeah, uh, Pathfinder even had some stuff there, which the con before they didn't. So it was nice. All right, Anthony, uh, you're right. I already said it once, David, but congratulations. I'm very glad that you're getting healthier. That's awesome. Anthony, Anthony has to focus on that so he can stay away from being political for one goddamn episode. <laughs> oh, oh, that's what you think. Okay. Uh, so so uh, I, I asked them beforehand, what are the two, what's nerdy with me should I go with? And they said, do both. So here's oh, both. Oh, God. It's going to be my fault. It is your fault. It's always your fault, Brad. (laughs) Okay, first one. This one is probably the more legit nerdy thing. Um, So some of you may know I'm going to be DMing in my first campaign. I'm going to be doing strict saving for some friends. So I was was prepping for a session zero. I know it's just session zero. It's not session one. But I am starting the process of of like prepping a session for my first game. So that's that's the thing I did this week. Lots of reading, lots of writing. Yeah. I even got a binder. I'm trying to be organized. <laughs> yeah, well, Session Zero is important because it's how you generate your characters belonging to the world you're creating. Exactly. Okay, the other thing I did. Oh, God. So you guys are aware there's shit going on in the world. So I'll, I've been spending a lot of time, uh, mostly when I get home from work, and I'm just like, putting on streamers and i'm watching and i'm spending a lot of time with like ten thousand other people and we're just we're just watching like everything that's going on over in like russia ukraine like we are just we're watching troop movements we're watching we're watching drone movements we're watching plane movements like we are we're watching fucking everything so that's the other nerdy thing i did watching watching uh military movements and and military coverage pretty much every day this week. I I can relate. I, you know, we've been getting hit by emails a lot at work with all the updates. So those are my two nerdy things. Oh, and was, next, that was surprisingly subdued, Anthony. Yeah, I was I was being nice. I made yeah. memes. I made memes, but I won't share them in the, in the group because I don't think that they're, I don't know. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll unleash the Kraken for two minutes in the bonus episode. <laughs> okay. Uh, Erica, Erica. Your turn. Oh, well, I was going to segue to her. Of course you um, were. <laughs> I discovered a fatal flaw in our system at work. So that oh, was no. my big nerdy thing. Yeah. Oops. Um, 
Was it accidentally yeah. fine or intentionally fine? Um, well, we had some data come through that didn't make a lot of sense. And instead of letting it go and being like, oh, well, I just assume everything's working appropriately. Um, I decided to dig in and I spent a full three hours coming through the data and tracking it through our backend system. Nice. Um, just to find that there is a fatal flaw in the system. Uh, it's not only for my segment, but it's company-wide. I don't know how long it's been there. Um, and, you know, threw up some red flags <laughs> to get it fixed. So now I'm in charge of that endeavor um, to get it fixed at work. So I'd love to give you guys more details. It doesn't seem no, it's super probably best exciting. That you don't. It's probably best that you don't. Yeah. Um, it's not a... It doesn't seem super exciting if you don't hear the details, but essentially the flaw is so bad that it makes my job pointless until I can get it fixed. Okay. So that's are we, super are fun. We, are we going to have to cancel this episode? No. Okay. Why? Good. <laughs> <laughs> super day. I know. And day. thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't congratulations. I want to put Brian through too much more editing. Since, you know, Brian, what's nerdy with you, bro? They ran us out. I went to a wedding on Tuesday, February 22nd, 2022. That's a good day to get married. Um, I went, so I got a tour of the house of the bride and groom, and I felt nerd inadequacy. Um, they have an entire room where they have a shared work area for crafting and they have a 3d printer and they, their entire house is covered with 3d printed conveniences. Oof. Like they made light covers with containers attached to them that they could put the remote control for the ceiling fans in. That's good. It, it was, it was amazing that, and I, I found out that you can print things on a 3d printer that have moving parts. I did not yeah. know you could do that. I thought you had to print all the parts and then assemble, but they printed like a fully articulated oriental dragon. Yeah. As long as it's designed correctly in the software. Yeah. You can make it, uh, it just prints it and then you break it apart and it moves. That's <laughs> amazing. And printing boxes with joints that are put together. Mm -hmm. That uh, just really cool. You can print a chain. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know you could do that. But anyway, yeah. yeah it's my, crazy what you can do with 3, 3D printing nowadays. So my nerdy thing was mostly nerdy inspiration was being around cool nerdy people and experiencing the, the cool nerdy things that they do. Um, and I took pictures at the wedding because, you know, I like to hide behind a camera. Um, so that is it for me. Now you get to now explain Mike Myler's widget system. Vote using the patented Mike Myler's time suck, um, where the five of us will each vote. Since there are five of us, we have six widgets each, and we give those widgets to the other people. I think Victoria watched our show, so or listened to our show, so she knows. Um, Victoria, your majesty... Um, you have six widgets. Who would you like to give them to and why? Um, I believe that I would like to give four to Erica, just Cursey Smurf, 
because when you find a problem at work and you actually try to fix it, that is fucking phenomenal because most people are just like, eh, you know, like we'll deal with it later. It's not a big deal. Of course, it doesn't help if that um, impedes your job. Mm. So, you know, but still some people will still be like, oh, someone else needs to deal with that. That's not my job. So for you, because that's amazing. And I love it when people jump in and do shit instead of just expecting other people to do it. So that's awesome. And I'm giving one to David, David, because Thank the you. nerdy um, going to a con is always wonderful. And then oh, the yeah. other one will go to Anthony because um, creating the game thing that like that just blows my mind. That's awesome. So sorry, hey. uh, Brian, you didn't get any, but that's you know, fine. He doesn't need any. <laughs> uh, I went next. So I'm going to give uh, six of mine to Queen Victoria, uh, my, my liege. And I'm going to give the other two to Anthony because starting a new you game is me. never you easy. You get, get six. six. Yeah, I, I get. I gave six. four and two. Did I not? No, you gave yeah, you six you and two. <laughs> oh, apologies. No, that it stands as it is. Sorry, Anthony. My bad. <laughs> I was talking faster than my brain. Sorry. <laughs> it's early. I'm leave me alone. <laughs> Anthony, you're up. Okay, so I'm going to do what David should have done. I'm going to give four to Queen Victoria because uh, that was fucking dope. And then I'll give two to David because oh, David thank you, Anthony. Stuff. But David also, like, I just want to give you two points for the weight loss. I know how that feels. I've been eating healthier. I've lost mm. weight as well, not nearly as much as you have. So I understand the struggles. And I just I just want to give you a nice, a nice little little silly reward to be like, you know what, David? I'm proud thank of you. you. I, I, I appreciate you. it. And as much as I would like to say it was completely altruistic, the threat of death is a really great motivator. Hey, me too. That's that's what got me doing it. <laughs> Erica, you're up. Uh, I am going to give one to Anthony for not getting too detailed in his politicalness on this episode. <laughs> I'm going to give one to Victoria. I wish I had more widgets because you definitely deserve them. That was a, a lot of awesome nerdy stuff. How much did you give her? I missed it. One. Okay. And then I'm going to give four to David. Because that amount of weight loss is super, super hard. And I'm really, really proud of you that you are taking your health super seriously. And I want you to be around for a long time. So. Well, thank you. This is hard. Sorry, Brian, you still don't have any. (laughs) This is really hard because (laughs) Victoria had the, from my perspective, the more nerdy thing. I I like the combination of over-preparation and indulging in nerdy stuff. Ah, but David lost. I know. It also made it also made it harder for me because I've seen her perform. So I was like, man, I feel like I need to give her a bunch of widgets. But David did like a super awesome thing. And then I was torn. Oh, you have seen her perform? Oh, yeah. Several times. Mm -hmm. Oh, you just haven't met. Uh, I'm usually intoxicated when I go to see a show. So (laughs) I'm not sure that I haven't met. (laughs) I I don't interject. I will interject real fast. 
that I would argue that David's thing is way harder than my thing. Like it's I easy disagree to nerd entirely, out. but okay. <laughs> it's way easy for me to nerd out than it is for me to watch what I'm eating and to exercise and things yeah. like that. So I will throw that in there. Mm. I, yeah. Lifestyle I, changes were hard. <laughs> I am going to give four to Anthony for restraint. And wow, four for restraint. <laughs> Just for restraint. That's amazing. See how many and more widgets you heard when you don't say things, Anthony? <laughs> one to David and one to Victoria. And um uh. I'm gonna give a negative widget to Erica be just out of sibling spite and Victoria wow, you harsh. have one your prize is the widgets um the widgets have recently um developed government so um you the subcommittee is currently have... the, the subcommittee on selection is currently rendering its verdict as to who's going to get sent well they're still trying to determine what kind of government so feudalism is always an option so they might need a queen well, I'm always I'm always here and ready. And I, I will warn you, if I would not have won, I would have set off with your heads and I would have oh, dispatched shit. my minions to come to come. Well, think of it this way. Out. You're going to get 30 more minions. Uh, don't get them wet. <laughs> don't don't feed them after midnight. <laughs> no, 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 feed them whatever. That's fine. Just don't, for the love of God, get them wet. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm laughing okay. because of the last time that happened. Uh, <laughs> right? Oh my man. wife is like sitting right next to me and she is laughing very loudly. I apologize. They they are they're still cleaning up the mess from last time that happened, Brian. Well, when you let them watch porn, it happens. <laughs> that, that was not my fault, all right? That was not my fault. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. Let me compose myself, everyone. Uh, our topic today... <laughs> our topic today <clears throat> is untrue crime. Yeah, look, we were not responsible for that explosion. <laughs> uh, so, the way we do this is we have a round robin... Um, I will ask Victoria a question, Victoria will ask David a question, Anthony will ask Erica a question, and then we go back around after we go one time around the loop. Everyone is fair game. Um, Victoria, I'm going to ask you first, um, what is the most appealing thing to you about fictional crime depictions? Well, I think it's uh, it's always interesting to compare something to the truth. So if you know the basis of the truth, then that's why I do a lot of comparative things, is you have some idea of where does this vary and where does it not? And sometimes it's the sensationalism. Well, actually, a lot of times it's the sensationalism of the fictional characters and what they can do. Whereas in reality, you know, you can't always do the same kind of things, you know. So um, so the fictional they have, they don't have as many boundaries. So that is always compelling when you have the, you know, like superpowers or, you know, what have you, or you have those different kind of, uh, I don't know. Um, yeah, that. Yeah, it's sort of like when you think about show, like more realistic grounded shows like Law and Order versus something like Dexter, where it's a little bit more fantastical, but it's based on real serial killers. I don't like yes. Dexter. It's a great show. 
I, I think the antagonists on Dexter are more the ones that are based on real serial killers, where Dexter is like this fictional entity that would oh, never exist. Oh, he's a superhero. He, he, he is a solo, <laughs> yeah, totally he's superhero. A, he's a superhero. I yeah, like, he's basically Batman. <laughs> yeah, he's evil I like, Batman. I like Dexter, uh, but I didn't watch the last season, and I was told by a lot of people, good, don't watch the last season. No! Yeah, Wait, the last oh, yeah. season is a great ending, but it, it yeah, it completely destroys a bunch of character arcs. In oh, its path. Um, I, I've only watched the first couple episodes of the revival, so I'm not. Oh, I haven't even seen the revival. Me. I have no idea. What were you going to share? Oh, I've watched it all. Oh, because I love Dexter. What yeah, were you so going to share, Victoria? I'm sorry. I get super excited. And I will try not to interject. Oh, no, feel no, free. You're, no, interject you're kind of in charge. So I actually do a two <laughs> two episode series on Dexter. Sweet. So not only do I talk about all of the episodes, I compare them to the books because, you know, they're based on books. And I've oh. read all the books. I have did you? not okay. know that. Nice. I did not so know that. You're the only other person that I've met that has read all the books. So oh. they're their own thing. Really? And yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Um, but uh, so I compare the books. There's actually comics. So I even compare the comics. So uh, the, se- the last season is fucking terrible. Mm. It's terrible. It actually starts going downhill about season six. The revival is amazing. It's okay. really good. So I would recommend it. Was it. Very, it was very, very good. Yes, so I would say definitely, um, and you are right that uh, the bad guys are usually based on some kind of serial killer that is a real thing, you know, mm-hmm. or at least have some kind of basis and stuff. Um, there isn't much about Dexter that I can point to a specific serial killer, other than at one point in the show, he's on a kid's camping trip, the, the boat club, whatever, and he sneaks off to kill someone and then comes back. Mm-hmm. The BTK killer did that. He went on a Boy Scout trip and went and killed someone and came back. So there are some, you know, little things in there that kind of, I don't know, not spice it up, but that are tied to reality, which also for nerds like me, I get excited when they interject something that actually happened because that makes it more grounded in reality, you know, than if you always have something that seems outlandish or whatever. I get that, but he is legitimately a superhero. There's no other way he can do all of that. I'm sorry, not one person can do that. <laughs> in the I, I have a question about the books. I mean, I, I'm 100% okay with this entire episode getting derailed by Dexter. I have um, no problem with that. But I, have, I have a question about the books. And I'd heard a rumor about the books, and I, I wanted to know if it was true. Did the books get a little sci-fi supernatural? Um, Not that I recall. The weirdest thing, know. honestly, is um, where it got me to be really weird is when they had, like, his dark passenger was actually um is it moloch it was actually satan like a demon that uh existed outside of him and it actually he goes through like this is how the demon was created and you're you're thinking like Mm. the demon and then it came to life and then it found humans and it realized i can take over humans and make them do things so then then it takes moloch comes back and takes the form of other people and starts to kill and dexter gets wrapped up in it and that gets kind of weird to me. Did you like that one? What did you think of that one? I think it was like the third book. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Um, honestly, out of all the books, that one didn't stick out to me as much as the other ones. Because I read these like 10 years ago. I think Amelia was like three or something like that. Well, no, she's 14. So four. But yeah, um, I do remember that one. And it was okay. It wasn't really why I was reading the books. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, because the whole idea is no matter what he does in the books, because he does go get kind of weird, which is, you know, that's fun. 
Uh, but you always have Dexter and Dexter is always so fucking Dexter that it's amazing. So no matter what is happening around him, it's engaging because it's Dexter. And they do definitely get that in the show. They they put that he is totally Dexter. Like you can totally get that from the books. And Deb is very much Deb. So, you know, but um, but yeah, it does get a little I mean, I think it does get a little supernatural a little bit. For the most part, it's just you have um, bad guys doing crazy things um, like um, there's one book where the, uh, there's a guy who doesn't like tourism. And so he's cutting people open and putting in like um, cameras and things like that as a statement against tourism. And so you have like weird I did things like, like that. that one. Yeah. And where they do the art exhibit at the end and he kidnaps mm-hmm. Rita. And so people think it's an art exhibit, but it's actually him kidnapping Rita and trying to kill her. So, so, you know, I think it stays fairly grounded every once in a while. It gets a little out there, but, but it's always fun. That's fascinating. I should probably read those. I, I didn't even know those existed. That's, that's neat. What are they called? Darkly dreaming Dexter. Hmm. They yeah, all have the, call the a TV show DDD. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, Victoria, I, I believe that went in all sorts of amazing directions. Um, it is your turn to ask David a question. All right. So now we know since I have a podcast about serial killers and stuff, I'm going to gravitate that way. But keeping the untrue crime in mind. So I was going to ask you if you know that there are movies or TV series or even books that are based on real events. It doesn't have to be serial killers. It could be anything. Does it bother you if you know something's not accurate? Bother me not so much. I, I, I will point it out to people. I was like, oh, that's not what actually happened. But all right, it works. It, it doesn't necessarily bother. It's not going to stop me from watching a show. But I definitely notice. <laughs> Especially if it's something that I know about, or even something that I find out about later on subsequent viewings of things, it's like, oh yeah, no, that's okay. Interesting. Can I give an answer real quick? Yeah, go for it. I would say it depends, and if you hear sounds, that's my son in the background. He's making a lot of noises. Um, but I, I would say I think it depends on like what the inaccuracy is. So like in high school, um, <laughs> for a project, uh, for a senior project, our teacher was like, okay, you guys could do a book report on anything you wanted. It just can't be drugs, sex, or alcohol. And I was like, okay, That's serial all the killers. Fun stuff. Well, serial killers aren't drugs, sex, or alcohol. So I decided <laughs> to do a report on Jeffrey Dahmer. So I did a senior book report on Jeffrey Dahmer. And um, so sometimes I'll I'll see comments or or watch videos and things about Jeffrey Dahmer, and I'm just like, some things are are like blown a little bit out of proportion. It doesn't bother me. So like pe- so like one thing you hear a lot about Jeffrey Dahmer, a lot of people like to blow the um, cannibalism out of proportion. But that was a very um, very small part of what he did. It was a very small part of his crimes. Like he he con- i think he only consumed like a few bits of like one victim like it was a very small part of what he did the major thing that he did was the um was the necrophilia that was the really big thing and that gets kind of blown off but i don't mind if people like want to put a lot of focus on the cannibalism that's very sensational now what Anthony, does get annoying hold on a second you know why the necrophilia gets blown over because we why? live we live in the u.s where it's like violence that's fine you can shoot people and show that all over the place but sex naked body parts no we're not going to talk about that 
Yeah, like that's, 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 that, that is a whole other conversation. But wait a minute, wouldn't that go more to my point that they should put more focus on the necrophilia because we are so sex averse? So we should, as a culture, <sighs> look at things like 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 sex with dead bodies and be like, oh, that's icky, that's super bad, and look at things like cannibalism, like, well, I mean, that's not that bad. But no, people do the opposite. They go, oh, cannibalism, how bad, and then they don't even talk about the necrophilia. Yeah, because okay. we don't talk about things that makes people uncomfortable. I want to make a t-shirt for Anthony that says, whoo, cannibalism so bad. Why don't we talk about necrophilia? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it so for me, it depends on like what the um, what the thing that is getting bypassed or the thing that's being ignored. So See, um, for me, it's more like uh, when I think of films being inaccurate or like war films, movies about battles and uh, like uh, uh, Clint East, or, uh, um, uh, the Dukes, uh, the Alamo, which is completely made. <laughs> That's not how that happened at all. Yet people that preach Texas history will oftentimes cite that as being, you know, how they how they picture it happening in their mind, even though it's. Not how it happened. <laughs> I want to chime in on this. Yeah. Um, this is not a crime show specifically, but I've been watching. I finished watching The Great on Hulu, which is a very fictionalized um, portrayal of Catherine the Great. And I have to say that show is a lot of fun. But my knowledge of history makes me go He didn't become emperor till they were married for eleven years. They, he, it, it, he, he becomes it at the beginning of the show, right after they met. That drives me crazy. Yeah, but nobody knows that, so shut up. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, once I get like, okay, this is highly fictionalized, I can suspend my disbelief and go. I can just sit back and enjoy this popcorn drama. Yeah, no, um, it, inspired by true events and based on a true story, or mean two different things entirely yeah my my favorite thing about the great is it actually starts off with um a tagline that says something like um um ba um based on true history except for the stuff that isn't that's a good one yeah that's nice i like that um and i do want to chime in speaking of crime my favorite based on a true story announcement is the one at the beginning of fargo Oh, yeah, it's good. Because it's not at all. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it. <laughs> You've shocking, never seen, seen Fargo? I know. Wow, I, haven't, right. I haven't seen a movie. You should. It's it's really good. I'm going to shock you, David. I've never seen the whole thing. Oh, okay. I know stuff about Fargo, but I've never watched it from beginning to end. Um, I'm sorry to hear that. You should remedy yeah, that. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's a good movie. It really it's is. Good. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I've read tons of stuff about the Coen brothers and know a lot about Fargo, but I've never actually sat down and watched the whole movie. Oh, it's one of Buscemi's best movies. And excellent acting, I have to say. Yeah. All what around. About, it's far and away one of Buscemi's best movies. It was your question, Victoria. Do you have a, your, your own answer? Oh, you know I do. Oh, please. <laughs> so I have, I mean, I have whole episodes just based on this kind of stuff. Um, so what bothers me is if I know that they are twisting it for sensationalism and it's not for like I get so recently uh, my recent episode is Dennis Nilsson 
So I watched um, Des on the Sundance, Sundance Channel. It's a three episode limited series. And it's based on the book Killing for Company by Brian Masters. So what they did is they actually have someone as Brian Masters in the show. So since I had just read the book, I kind of knew what his opinion was. In the show, they have him like having a different opinion. But at that point, I realized they needed to use him as like an audience surrogate. So everyone has an agenda. So you have to look at everything that what is their agenda? And it's fine if it's just to have fun and you just want to watch something that's sensational. Fine, if that's your thing. But this very specifically was, well, they want you to be shocked. They want you to think that Nilsson is insane. So they used him as a surrogate. So I wasn't really upset because I understood where they were, what they were going for. Now, I get pissed off if they just very blatantly like, um, for example, I was listening to a podcast and they said the BT killer raped and I shut it off because that's just a fucking lie. And I know that that may seem like extreme and but if you are going for the truth of something or you want to try to figure out um, the easiest way, throwing sensational stuff is not going to help you. You know, if you want to understand what their motivations are and stuff, it's important that he didn't rape. You know, when it comes to serial killers and true crime, what they do is very important and what they don't do is very important. So for me, if I feel like if I understand why they did it, I may not get as upset. But to me, it's important to understand why they did it. So there are movies like Cold Light of Day, 10 Rillington Place, where their agenda, they make the serial killer look sympathetic because they want you to view it in a certain way. But they leave specific details out. And you just have to keep that in mind. So for me, it's about just kind of keep in mind what their agenda is and, you know, kind of roll with it. But then also watch other stuff and read other stuff. My dad left a movie. He left Pearl Harbor because the decks were not they were painted and they were not wooden they were not bare wood so my dad almost left the movie because he was so focused on that one i can understand that yeah so you can let yourself you know and and so you can always do that but i I try to roll with it as much as i can i mean i agree with team america world police when it comes to (laughs) right (laughs) um to add to that uh to the thing queen victoria said at the end about um like wanting to um make them seem um like sympathetic characters um this this is a pet peeve i have of a lot of things so like i don't like it when people do this with like uh let's say like uh really bad like people in real life or anything like that i don't like it when people um try to turn these very real humans these humans into monsters i don't like it when people try to turn like let's say let's say they try to like make it out to seem like um you know nazis were oh these are these are special out of the ordinary monsters i don't like it when people take like serial killers like oh these are special out of the ordinary monsters i i don't like it when things do that because i think it's very important to understand that these are all humans and because I, I think it's important to remind everyone that like this is a human thing and this could any human has the potential to kind of become this I think it's important to remember that to remember that. That's yes. a good point. It's sort yeah. of like anybody can snap, anybody can develop an illness, anybody mm. can you know, it anybody has the capacity for violence to make it a special circumstance where they're just a monster and they were always a monster and they were born a monster is it's reductive in a way. 
That's a really good point. Anybody else have anything they want to chime in on that? I know you're surprised that I'm going to say something, um, <laughs> which is that's one of the really interesting things about the Dennis Nilsson case is that it's the idea of is he insane or not? And because then the, the thing is, yes, we caught him. He admitted he did it. So that's not the question. It's should he go to a mental institution or should he go to prison? But the bottom line is, if we can't figure out if this person is insane, what can we learn? What can we do? And the idea with him is he got away for four years killing drifters and people who were under like homosexuals and people who were under the radar of society. And there, there were people who were attacked by him that went to the cops, but the cops were like, well, you're gay. So fuck you. You know, I mean, there were there were like at least five or seven people that went to the cops and the cops were like, we don't care about you. You know, we don't like what you do. So then that points to society is maybe we can't change what Nilsson was like, but we can change how we take care of our people and how we keep an eye out for each other and, and that kind of thing. So I think that that is a very important part. And I'm I know I only I used my widgets, but I'm giving you another one, Anthony. You get another one right there. Oh, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Um, I, I will. OK, I'm going to add another thing. When when she stops laughing, um, uh, sp speaking of the of the like the crime thing, I can't remember who it was that said this. It was uh, like a like a theorist, but I thought it was really cool that he said this. He said um, he said that crime is actually a good thing, and I'll, and that sounds really weird. But he said crime is a good thing because crime is a is puts a spotlight on problems in a society. So when you see a crime happening, um, you you can look at it and realize okay there is a flaw in our society that's leading to this. What is that? Yeah, exactly. It's like Ted Bundy um, is he noticed that cop, but police stations weren't talking to each other. So he knew if I dump a body here, then they're not going to talk to this, this police station over in this other County or this other state. So he was able to get away for a while. And it was because of things like that, that they created, I believe it's VICAP is a system where different police stations can put in the one database and then they can look and see and start connecting crimes to start talking to each other because they realize that there was a, a blind spot there. Yeah. I think the question really comes down to nature versus nurture, right? And it's never one or the other. Um, you know, one of the things that you learn um you know, in psychology, you know, when I first started my degree in psychology, it was very much about, you know, what makes people tick, right? Like that's, that's when you get into psychology, like usually it's because you want to find that out, right? And then you get to, you get to a certain level within your studies where you essentially get an entire class about nature versus nurture. And it is not clear cut. Uh, I mean, just based on all the different case studies and everything like that. And to the best of our understanding as it is right now, you know, there are both factors, you know, you've got, you know, the environment, and then you've got like the inherent, as, you, as Brian was trying to say, like, are they inherently evil? Like, was this always going to happen? And the answer to that is no, because it takes both. And it's so, um, they're so intermingled that there's no way to draw a distinct line between the two, which is what makes serial killers, I think, so very interesting. Both, you know, the ones that we make up, you know, and the ones that, you know, we, we know about, which 
I'm pretty sure is only a very small percentage. Um, but it, it really, you know, it's that line there between, you know, manifest destiny, right? Like no matter what occurs to you, can you overcome that? Can you overcome your internal drives? Can you overcome the environment that you are in to make your own destiny? And I think that's really what it comes down to when we're talking about the development of these type of people. Oh, um, no, 100%. Um, to, to add to that, because I also am like in this field a little, like I'm a child development major. So, but like even like, environmental factors don't just start in fa- affecting you like the moment you're born it affects you before birth so like like let's say there's a mom living in like a really poor situation like she's very destitute and this is causing a lot of stress on her body so that's going to flood her body with a lot of um shit what's the name of that chemical the stress hormone um you could just say stress hormones right it, it's <laughs> going to flood your body with a bunch of stress hormones and it's been shown that those hormones are going to affect the fetus and the baby which will then lead to a baby who's born like anxious like babies are born with anxiety disorders because of this and that's going to lead to like a lot of a lot of shit have you guys uh listened to last podcast on the left or any of you i have not Oh my god. No, I okay. haven't. Sorry. I have not Erica either. Is, for, for the people listening to this episode, Erica is oh, nodding. Sorry. Yes. I was nodding. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, I, I didn't see that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay, good. I that's like my fucking favorite podcast. So um they and it's amazing because they talk about cults, they talk about aliens, they talk about serial killers, they talk about all kinds of fucking stuff. And they're very amusing and they're very informed. And Henry Zabrowski does some crazy voices, his um version of Sam Berkowitz is uh, I was, did I do that right? It's David Berkowitz. Um, so anyway, so in last podcast, their big thing is it's a soup is, is that, you know, you're and what you inherited and your nature and your nurture and all that, a bunch of things come together and make this soup. And that's the, their big thing is the soup. So you have your serial killer soup. So it is, it's it, things go hand in hand. And uh, that is not a soup that I would want to taste by the no, way. No, no. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so when as you guys are talking about that is is I definitely had that in my mind. And there's um I do cover a have you guys heard of a crazy not insane? It was a documentary on Netflix about uh, Dr. Dorothy Ottenau Lewis, I think. I heard of it. I w- I meant to watch it, but I didn't. It's really good, and I would recommend it because her whole idea is the mental health aspect. You know, and that uh, why that matters. And mm-hmm. I, I personally don't know that you can always boil it down like we were talking about to just the one mental health thing. But that is an aspect. Yeah. And it certainly is something that we need to keep in mind. And mental health is such a oh, my God, that's part of why it makes it so confusing is that's why I was having trouble with Dennis Nelson is because when he talks, you're like, well, I get that mental health is not that easy. You know, it's not like you're sane or insane. There are gradations of everything. And that's what makes it so compelling and interesting. And I'm going to stop talking now because I keep rambling. No, ramble away, please. We love your rambling. Yeah, we love your rambling. Oh, you're I was going to say, fantastic. I was going to say, I've heard the I've heard the theories and I've heard some people talk about how the genetic dispositioning is also a a consideration. Some people are just genetically disposed to be susceptible to these things. As others aren't. In the in Killing for Company, the first chapter is just about Dennis Nelson's ancestors mm-hmm. and how they were uh, fishermen in a very isolated village, and that they're that they were they inbred a lot, mm-hmm. so they were predisposed to having mental illness and mm-hmm. and things like that. So it is interesting to look at all of the perspectives and and everything yeah. that goes into it. 
Oh, I didn't know David Tennant played him. Yes, he was amazing. Yes, he's I'm really have to good. Watch that. He he yes. does a good job of playing. A he's just a really type good actor. Villain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I I do want to. Sorry, Anthony. I want. I've been. I've been trying to jump in on something. No, go ahead. Um, to bring. I'm going to be the one who brings the topic back to Dexter. Um, so Erica, you were talking about nature versus nurture and. And where things come from. I think the true villain of Dexter is Harry. Because there is a lot of evidence on Dexter that Dexter isn't really a psychopath. And he's he he's he has PTSD, but Harry labeled him. And there are many signs of Dexter having emotions and having reactions and having things that do not represent psychopathy. And I yeah, think if Harry the, is the bad guy on Dexter. Yeah, I, I, I think if they had gotten him right to the right away. therapists in time, they, yeah, they saved should have him. gone to therapy. <laughs> yeah, they should have the fucking therapy. Yeah, I don't think Dexter... Like, he. There, there are so many hints on the show, like when he meets other people who are murderers, and he mentions the Dark Passenger, and they're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. What the hell is that? <laughs> and it's... It, Harry got in his head. Harry got in his head. Harry had his own trauma and his own experience with crime. And he saw Dexter go through this and was like, you're a psychopath now. We're going to have to have you kill people. And it, I'm, I'm reducing it and simplifying it. But I, I think the bad guy on that series is Harry. What's interesting about that is in the books, Dexter is way more pulled back than in the series. So in the books, he is way more to be like, oh, I don't give a fuck about Rita and the kids. Like he's ready to just like get rid of Rita and the kids. Like he doesn't really give a shit. So in the books, he's actually very much the sociopath. And, you know, so that's one interesting aspect as you see that in the books. In the show, that is interesting. I do love Harry and I love the actor that plays him. But I get where I get what you're saying about as he's developing feelings and stuff that is. But that's one of the compelling things is, is it what, like, especially when he meets um, the fucking British chick? Oh, yeah. What was her um, name? Um, I want to say, is it Lily? I don't I remember. Think, uh, something like that. Yeah. Um, she's only in one season. She's only in one season. Then she oh, dies. Right. <laughs> yeah. But she's in um, like basically they compare serial killing to like a drug addiction. And I think that's really interesting is is that and that kind of goes to your point is that it's maybe not as deep and bred as he had as you know yes i'm agreeing with you as deep and bred as harry supposed it was and it could have been cured yeah like yeah, a drug there, addiction i mean yes. he yeah there there was it was the wrong approach to be like oh you're you're exhibiting signs of violence towards animals and stuff no that doesn't necessarily make way you, out yeah. it was the easy way out in parenting well, so in parenting, you have either the fights that you fight or you have the ones that you give up and you have to know the balance between the two. And I think Harry approached it as though, you know, being in the police station and, you know, maybe having your kid heavily and like therapy or whatever may have been, you know, yeah, tarnishing you to, you have... to his career or what have you. It was, well... I see a way for this to be beneficial. 
And instead of fighting it, I can just go along with it. And that's really the decision that Harry made as a parent. And he also had his own, he had his own issues with injustice and was like, I'm going to use this as a tool and I'm going to use, I'm going to use Dexter's ability to not have a conscience to do things I wouldn't be able to do. And that ended up being too much for him in the end, but it was... But I only know the portrayal from the show. I don't know the books at all. Well, you have to talk about the two separately because it's almost like the show was inspired by the books and the characters were taken from the books, but they they are not uh, one for one by any stretch of the imagination. So um, I, I will put the spotlight on David to ask Anthony a question. Okay. Uh, hmm. Anthony, what do you hate about crime procedurals? Uh, when we're talking about crime procedurals, are we talking about shows like um, like Law and Order kind of thing? Yes. Okay. Shows what that show I... you the procedure law enforcement takes while dealing with crime. Law and Order, so, CSI, NCIS. So here House. I am gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with um I'm gonna go with the with the far left take here. I don't I don't I don't much like the the propaganda in a lot of these shows. Um, uh, you'll especially a lot of times you'll see this. I, I you see this a lot in like Blue Bloods. Sorry, that's my wife sitting next to me. She is laughing. No, propaganda was good. That was a good line. Um, so like you'll see a. It, this isn't quite a crime procedural, but it, it'll get to my point of what I'm talking about. So a show like Blue Bloods will show like will show like um the police officers doing certain things that are just flat out illegal and things that cops shouldn't do. But what ha- ends up happening though is is through that illegal action they find the bad guys. Like oh look he he um he hit a suspect or. I'm so sorry. Everybody's being really loud around me. Um, so through the bad action, he found the bad guy. He he hit a suspect, and the and the 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 suspects uh, told the tr- told the truth of what happened, or they broke into someone's house illegally. And oh look, they found the evidence. So oh yeah, your, all, all that stuff would be inadmissible. Is whatever means necessary is the issue. But that you're and here's but here's the problem though. That's not the reality. So. A lot of times, like one, we we shouldn't be we shouldn't be like shining a light on or or making it seem okay for police to to invade people's privacy or to hit like people or to hit suspects or to abuse people. Like that's like that's not a thing we should be okay with. Yeah, they don't tell then, you how the court case was thrown out because all the evidence was gathered illegally. <laughs> well, and then and then in reality, like. That's probably not what would happen. So I remember I was watching this YouTube video where I was talking about this. And basically, when you watch these shows where they do that, it's basically like they're living in a make-believe fantasy world where it's like... Um, well, yeah, it's television. Yeah. Let, let me get to it. Yes, it is television. Where, <laughs> where like the ends justify the means because the means always lead to good consequences. So it's, yes, it's okay that he's hitting the suspect. Yes, it's okay that he's breaking into people's houses because you end up catching the bad guy 100% of the time. See, he always catches the bad guy. But in reality, that's not what happens. In reality, when police do these things, innocent people get thrown in prison. Um, innocent people get killed. So it's it's not 
real. It, and so it creates this idea in people's heads of, oh, we should support police doing these things because they're going to catch the bad guys. No, they're not. Innocent people are going to get hurt. That's what's going to happen. It's sort of the difference between the harmlessness of fiction and this problematic message that fiction can convey. There's, there's, a, there's a very fuzzy line in between those two things. It's really funny you're mentioning this because um, <laughs> I'm going to bring up RoboCop because, of course. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, that's, a, that's uh, a great portrayal yeah. of what we're talking about. So, yeah, so it's funny because um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Pluto TV, but it's like a streaming thing that has commercials and you can watch it. So you tune in and RoboCop and RoboCop 2 are playing all the fucking time. So we just uh, have been watching RoboCop and we literally just had this discussion about copaganda. And, you know, whether it's okay. And I kind of feel like in RoboCop, you're going into it like, oh, it's fun. But well, it's also satirical. Yes, exactly. Very exactly. much so. Right. So you can definitely see all that. And they definitely take it to in the second one. They take it to the, the goofy <laughs> level where they're like, you know, he's like, now let's talk about our problems. But the funny thing is, that's actually better than just going up and grabbing someone and throwing them through a window. You know, so that's, yeah, it just, it's just funny. Like, Robocop I, just, I, it's exactly what we're talking I about. I don't mind the satire. Like, I don't mind the satirical things when they do it. So, like, I don't mind things like Robocop Judge Dredd because, yes, it's showing police brutality, but it's showing it in a bad light. I don't like it when shows like Blue Bloods or Law and Order do it because they're trying to show it in a good light. They're trying to take, they're trying to take the, the excesses of police and going, this is a good thing that I have a problem with. I have a serious problem with that. Right. Well, Okay, the, the the glorification of police forces, true, definitely. It's oh something that oftentimes is not earned, and it's like they're trying to create a false name for themselves or something. I, I mean, it doesn't even lead to but, good outcomes. Yeah, like not you generally. can't even argue. You can't even argue it leads to good outcomes. It's just an all around bad thing to do. Stop it, Law and Order. Stop doing it. Dun dun. Okay. Well, yeah, so. and, and to David's point earlier, doing things, uh, you know, outside of the scope of uh, the legal rules are going to get your case thrown out. Oh, yeah. 100%. Just as saying. soon as they throw a toe out of the line, I've seen, I, I was a legal courier for a while. I've, I've heard some stories. <laughs> I've right. Seen and some shit. But see, that's, that's the other coin, too, is then, <laughs> is then like there, there are bad people, like really horrible people who get away because a cop decided to do a thing that they weren't supposed to do. Joel so Rickin. like it, so yeah, the other thing happened. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, you were right. You coughed in the middle of it though. You should have just said it. <laughs> they actually I, had Joel Ripken and because they didn't do due process, all of the evidence was thrown out. Yep. And so then they had to wait years for him to maybe kill some more people before they were able to actually catch him. OJ. <laughs> <laughs> all right i'm anyways. trying to think of something really <laughs> hilariously offensive to say and i can't do it i'm trying hard i'm like all i can say is bill cosby and it sounds like i'm swearing <laughs> i mean i could but i won't <laughs> um anthony erica question hmm hmm Erica, do you have a favorite serial killer? Dom. Like real life serial killer? Dom, or yeah, like... 
What was that, Brian? Oh, oh, Erica's favorite serial killer is Dahmer. Oh. I thought you were saying dumb, and I was like, what? Well, it's your favorite one question. to watch things about. You've seen so many Dahmer right. things. Right, not, fa- not favorite like oh, you I've like them. Oh, I've seen a whole bunch of stuff about a whole bunch of serial killers. <laughs> um... What's the g- give her a criteria of what makes it like a favorite, like who is her most interesting or something like that? Because just saying favorite is hard when you're talking about people who murder people horribly. Yeah, like I'm never like, whoo, that's exciting. Like, so, so if I had to pick one, I have to pick one. I think the two most, um, I would say, interesting serial killers in my perspective is uh zodiac mostly because we still don't know who the fuck that was um and i find those like cryptic word puzzle things like really interesting (laughs) um but uh i think for somebody that we do know who it is which was very interesting was um i can't remember his name it's killing me but it was in chicago during the world's fair and he had the hotel hh holmes thank you that was very very interesting to me because like unlike a lot of serial killers you know who just like dumped a body somewhere or killed somebody randomly he like almost created mausoleums in which they continued to exist like it was like their their decaying corpses was his trophy almost um you know with the gas rooms with the gas and everything like that so i felt i thought it was just very interesting that he had like created this entire elaborate puzzle of a hotel you know in which to murder people like in it wasn't something you know it was something he could easily get caught at because he kept it so close to him so I think that's the most interesting one for me. I'm sorry, but I've got to jump in. Yeah. <laughs> so H.H. H. Holmes, um, I actually do an episode on him. I know you're surprised. Um, the game that okay. I was talking about earlier that I looked at, um, Brent bought it for me. It is an H.H. H. Holmes murder castle game. Oh, nice. Where, yeah, oh, that's where fun. the room. So, um, so if you don't know, he had rooms. Well, like she mentioned, there are rooms where he would have rooms where gas would pipe in. So while the guest is sleeping, he would just put the gas in and they die. He would have chutes where he could just dump the bodies in the chutes and it would go down to the basement. He had pits of lime. He had a torture chamber. He would frequently take the bodies and take off their flesh and everything and then sell the skeletons. To mm-hmm. medical, for medical science. Part of the reason he was able to get away with it, though, is it was during the, uh, what, 1989 uh, World Fair. Yeah. yeah, it was a World's Fair. There so there were tons so of people. So it, if people went missing, no one really noticed. So that's another big reason why he did get away with it. And, and even now, we don't know the extent because he burnt part of the building down. So we don't know the extent of how much, you know, we just know some of the things. Like he actually had a, a like a bank vault built in his place where he would put someone in there and put gas in there, you know, so we, but we don't know everything that he did. So that's another thing where it's easy to get sensationalized with him. But on the other hand, um, it's kind of in the realm. If you have a dude doing that, what won't he fucking do? (laughs) So he is a very compelling and I personally am okay with uh, the HH Holmes because it feels like, okay, that sounded terrible. I'm not personally okay with HH Holmes. (laughs) <laughs> my interest in him 
it's easier because he seems like a fictional character. It doesn't feel real. It feels like a horror movie. So to play a game where you are H.H. H. Holmes or you're in his, you know, murder castle, that feels like you it's so you're so far removed. It doesn't feel real. Now, there is a game called Serial Killers Card Game. Jeff Ignatowski, I um, interview him as well. In that game, you're actually a serial killer and you roll dice to pick your victim to kill them. <laughs> wow, that's dark. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so to me, that gets a little bit... I haven't played it. Uh, to me, that gets a little bit too, you know. You have to have the right group of people for that to, yeah. be, to, for that to be not creepy. <laughs> right, right. Well, and you should... Seriously, you need to listen to that episode because he is hilarious. And he's like, well, I think, uh, you know, I think I had the makings of being a serial killer. And that's why I did that. And I, when my son's bad, I would put on a Michael Byers mask and chase him around. I'm like, so wow. you're trying to breed a serial killer. So, yes. Um, but H.H. H. Holmes, that's that's he is so incredibly interesting. Um, the book now I can't think of any book Devil in the White City. It's all about H.H. H. Holmes and the World's Fair and all that stuff. So. Um, so, yes, he is very, very compelling. And I had my first fangirl serial killer moment over him. And I did not mean to. I see Erica's face. It's really funny. Um, I had just looked. Um, I had just heard about him. And uh, then I went to this uh, craft show and they had an ornament with H.H. Holmes. And you don't usually see that kind of stuff. And I was like, H.H. Holmes. And they looked at me like, hey, I was like, oh, my God, I just fangirled over a serial killer. <laughs> like, that's not but the only reason I did it is because he's a more obscure one. Like, you see Jeffrey Dahmer and you're just like, Bleh. you know, like, oh, Dahmer, you know. But, you know, you see someone like H.H. Holmes and you're kind of like, oh, no one knows about him, you know. So, yeah, that's my uh, tangent. Supernatural did an episode on him. Really? Yeah, they did that. Well, his ghost, but yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was I a good one. I have to find that one. Uh, if memory serves, there was an ob item in Warehouse 13 that was related to H.H. Holmes. I don't remember what it was, but. Um, Supernatural did an episode on very... him. Sorry, ahead, go I'm ahead, Erica. Oh, I was just saying, I, I just think he's very compelling because. You know, to what Victoria was saying, you know, well, you that don't... And the children he murdered. Well, I try not to think about that because that makes me really upset. Well, so if you're going to think about it, you have to think about the whole story. He was a terrible, terrible human being. <laughs> he was a terrible, terrible human being. But in, and it was very much like the what won't bigamy, he do? Bigamy. Uh... I know. He's married to three women at the same time. I know. I know. Um, I'm just saying that he, the amount of forethought that you have to put in to building an entire building simply to murder people is impressive. Like, imagine that kind of drive for like your Renaissance stuff, right? So what you loved renaissance so very very much that you took every dollar that you could scam out of any person and built your own legit castle with all of the details that would be to the renaissance period and you live and breathe the renaissance it's the same thing for oh, yeah. him and while i'm not glorifying what he did it was terrible um, I mean, truly terrible because I believe all life is precious. That amount of dedication is something I think 
is what intrigues me the most about him. Because well, I'm not saying serial. Oh, sorry. <laughs> let, give me one second, Victoria. Thank you, yeah. I, I'm not saying serial killers aren't committed to it. Clearly they are. And in their own ways. But to me, that's like a whole nother level of it. So now I'm done. Go, Victoria. Okay, sorry, I gotta glide in. Um, yeah, Edmund Kemper actually called it his like part-time job. Because he's like, it is. It's mm -hmm. a part-time job to be a serial killer. And the other thing that's that's what's interesting is that you mentioned he scams. So that's the other mm -hmm. compelling thing is he never had to pay for shit because he would scam people out of the money. So he was charming. And that's another way he mm -hmm. got out of it. Good. And then he takes children and goes on the run. And the it's it's I mean, he's um, escaping the Pinkerton detectives. They get the Pinkertons mm -hmm. involved. So the, the fact that he goes on the run and he's able to do all that, it's not glorifying him, but it is just really intriguing that he's able to do that. And, and it's it, that's why these people tend to be interesting is because you just can't imagine putting that kind of energy into that specific activity. Exactly. Level of dedication. I wanted to share something. To talk about how um, sometimes the true story is more interesting than the fiction. <gasps> Has anyone here ever heard totally. of the Bloody Benders? I have. Did an episode no. on it. I yeah. no, no, of course he did. <laughs> uh, the Bloody The Bloody uh, Benders was a family in Kansas in the late 1800s that were um, they owned an inn and would um, basically people would come into the inn and then they would bust through a fake wall with sledgehammers and bash their heads in. And there were yeah, a lot of things. What? That's wild. Yeah. And it was, there's been stories about cannibalism being involved, but most likely they're just stealing their shit. Um, but there's a, a really cool thing that's always left out of the fiction that there's a fan fiction in my mind about the whole thing. Um, so... Um, Laura Ingalls Wilder didn't live too far away from them, and her family actually figured out that people who went down that way were usually never seen again. So Laura Ingalls Wilder's father um, was in a vigilante posse, and they went out and said, that family's never going to be seen again. And they probably killed them, and that's why the Benders thing stopped. So I want you all to imagine Michael Landon going out on a vigilante posse <laughs> to take out these serial killers. God. I mean, Laura Ingalls said that um, she remembers her dad saying the vigilantes are called out and that the benders will never be found. <laughs> so you just picture Michael Landon on a black, black horse with a shotgun. <laughs> I wonder if he's just waiting for like like the point in time when um what's the what's the what's it called like when you can no longer be tried for a crime because it's too late statute of, statute of limitations right i wonder if he's just waiting for that to like expire and then he can finally go public like yeah i fucking did it well that's well, the thing about now well they're yeah, yeah they're long dead <laughs> i mean the actor's oh, yeah, dead this point. is yeah, the no, late good 1800s good anthony good point he will rise from the dead as a corpse and say yeah i fucking did it and then go back to go back to resting <laughs> um for those who don't know laura ingles wilder was little house on a prairie i left that part out because i assumed everyone here knew that but yep. listeners might so yeah if you can you can look into 
little house. Could you imagine how different the legal system would be if we could actually cast speak with dead? Um, Hi, who killed you? Yeah, no, let's say that would that would that would make the legal system very easy, actually. First it would have to be admissible in court. So good luck with that. I don't know. Only it only do it in the court. It who killed you? It just leads to the same problems because you know, I mean, yeah, speak with that would be great, but that doesn't make people tell the truth. There. I mean, they covered it in South yeah. Park with the toilet episode. Really? If you guys remember. Yeah. So they actually, that's how you discovered you were sitting in the toilet wrong this whole time is because they summoned the guy from the dead. Uh, oh, um, yeah. The guy who invented the toilet. The guys who invented, yeah, exactly. Uh, the thing about the vendors is that there are so many stories about what happened to them. So the Ingalls Wilder thing, that's definitely like one of the best. But if you look through them, uh, the information, I mean, you see sightings all over the place of them, supposedly them, and you don't even know the relationship. So sometimes they'd say like, oh, they're mother and daughter, they're husband and wife. We don't know. Were they really? So it's, it's, that's another interesting thing about the benders is what happened to them is because several people say, oh, I killed them. You know, so everybody's got to put their, you know, their spin on it and things like that. Um, but they did actually, it was a cloth. They had a cloth behind the guy. So they had these, and the guy would come in and the girl would distract him because she was an attractive girl. So she might distract him. And then one of the guys would knock him over the head with a hammer or something. And they had a little chute, um, that goes into their cross space, like, and they would just dump the body down there, take the money and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it is, that's definitely where you don't need to sensationalize that. That's why I get pissed about sensationalism sometimes, because why do you need to sensationalize that? That's enough. You don't need to do any more than that. That's a great point. I agree. Sometimes the I truth agree. is a lot more interesting than the oh, fiction. Yeah. Oftentimes the fiction is predictable and easy to see through. So, Brian, I guess it's my turn to ask you a question. Yep. So, when you think about whether it's fiction or real and serial killers... What is it that you think that makes it so interesting for somebody? What makes it interesting to you? Um, I, you know, often I think like in the, the combination of the, 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 the comparison of the real to the fiction, the thing that interests me the most when it comes to crime stories is what I would have done different. I mean, I don't mean... To think of it in like a dark way, but I, I kind of think of like the mistakes they made. Like, I'm not going to actually like look at the shows and the true stories and be like, oh, these were the mistakes they made. So when I kill someone, I'll do it without getting caught. I think more of it as a writer and think, wow, they really get their emotions involved. But I guess that's real. They're, they're going to panic. They're going to have, you know, it's. You, you think about these things, you can argue that they did a sloppy job, but I mean, how hard would that be? It's such a complicated thing. I mean, even well, talking about crime, that's not murder. You can't make it 100% logical and you can't predict for everything. That's true, but you got to think like to your point when you're thinking about. I'm convinced the BTK killer wanted to be caught. I'm convinced that that was his his because he came back after years and years and years and then handed them a floppy disk that had 
that could easily have his digital footprint sitting there. Like, I mean, there's no way he couldn't have known that couldn't have been traced. He even asked them, if I give this to you, it can't be traced, right? Well, isn't, and, one of, isn't that one of the things in, when they profile serial killers that the ultimate the ultimate goal of most serial killers is to get caught? Because fame maybe. is such a big, important part of it. I was about to say, well, that... fame's a big part of it, but I don't know that it's necessarily getting caught. Because each serial killer is different, and I'm sure Victoria would agree with this. Like, their motivations are 100% different in, in what they're doing. For some of them, it very much is the fame. And I think for him, it was the fame. But there's also that that drive that you know dark passenger if you will and if you get caught you can't keep killing people you know well, so no you could keep killing people in prison so, so this is one of those things that i i think about a lot i saw this movie a while back called the vanishing um it was a good one the uh I, am i thinking of the right movie it was um um sandra bullock and Kiefer sutherland i'm thinking of something else though I, let me see if I get the name of the movie right. I, I was pretty sure it was called The Vanishing. Yeah, yeah, The Vanishing. Um, so it's Jeff Bridges, Kiefer Sutherland, and Sandra Bullock. And um, the I'm going to spoil this because I have to to make content out of it, unfortunately. Uh, fine. Uh, but... Um, I think about this movie a lot because it's such a terrifying account of somebody killing someone. Um, Kiefer Sutherland goes to a convenience store with um, Sandra Bullock. Sandra Bullock goes to go in the store to get something, comes back and... No. Kiefer Sutherland goes in the store to get something, comes back, and his wife is gone. And he never finds her. And he goes through this whole thing trying to find out what happened. Um, turned out that Jeff Bridges killed her. Um, but the motivation they give behind it is that Jeff Bridges' character was a dad and found that he was in a situation where he felt like he was the ultimate good and that he was a father and he was a good father and his he had the perfect life. But because of that perfect life, he had to experience doing something absolutely awful. That motivation freaks me out so much more than any other fictionalization of crime. Because this isn't a serial killer. This is just one person who decides that he wants to do something absolutely evil just to give credence, to like show the comparison of good and evil in his life, just to say that my life isn't good until I do something absolutely heinous. And he kidnaps Sandra Bullock, buries her alive, lets her die horribly, then... Years later, reveals it to Kiefer Sutherland, shows him that he did it, and then does the same thing to Kiefer Sutherland. Just to do, like, what he considers the ultimate evil. I think of that movie every single time I go to a convenience store with my wife. Um, I do not like to leave her in the car. I do not like for her to go in without me. I think of it all the time. Um, that movie freaked me out so hard, but I think it freaked me out because it's fictionalized. 
I don't know if those motivations are real. I don't know if it's based on anything, but it's a scary concept. I think well, it's a see, combination. Yeah, that of sounds pretty terrifying. Things. Yeah, no, I, I, would, I would argue that that not necessarily that uh, we would do something like that, but I would argue that the reason that we find serial killers so fascinating in their methods and their their thought processes is looking into the darkness to recognize the goodness. So it's I would cathartic. say that your argument is valid in yeah, that. because, Yeah. Why else would we find these things so interesting? You know, it's not like any of us have the, you know, not that we're aware of, have the capacity to actually murder other human beings, you know, for the fun of it, you know, it's not something that we empathize with, like, oh, that poor serial killer, they just could not help themselves. They were just driven to do it. Like, there's no empathy there, right? I think it's more of the looking, you can't see the light unless you can see the dark. And I think that's what makes it so very interesting because these are kind of not the darkest of the dark. There's a lot more horrible, heinous things that humans have done to each other, but they're like pinpoints within the light to see. Maybe there's more that we we don't see. Maybe there's something we don't see in our neighbors. When we look at our neighbors, maybe there's something we don't see when we look at ourselves almost like we all have the capacity for violence, right? It all depends on what your motivations are to bring that capacity out. Well, and I would argue that honestly, when I think of Jeffrey Dahmer, I think there was a part of him that really did not like to do it. And that's why he would get drunk. And I think it was like a compulsion. So my thing is about the mental health is like Nelson, I think Nelson was a slippery little guy. Um, but I think there was a part of him, he would be like, I'm a good guy. I help people with this. I do that. But I killed somebody. So like, how does that, how do you reconcile that? There's, and mental um, health is, sorry, just real fast. Um, the problem with mental health is that you're not thinking the same. So what scares me is what if I go down a path where I'm not thinking the same? Because I can think some pretty interesting thoughts. And what if I let myself loose what if i lose control of that and then i'm not thinking you know and that's the other problem with serial killers is you may not understand the motivation because it's not understandable because like if you're schizophrenic or something like that you can't explain that logically you know like you know like the government's not really like talking to me in my head but it, they people hear voices you know and i think that's one of the scary things is that you mentally could go down that path. And and like you said, it, it might be in there. And um, the other thing is what scares me is movies like um, Saw, where you have a dude who's like, well, I think that you're a sinner. So um, so it's OK for me to kill you because God has put it upon my heart that I need to punish you for being a sinner. So that personally scares me. Yeah. If people decide <laughs> yeah. that's why, like Batman, I understand the you know, it's kind of like, well, if you have the or even Dexter is if you have the good thing in mind. OK, but if you don't, it's fucking terrifying. Uh, I I was gonna say um there's actually some credence to your thing about the Dahmer thing uh I uh because like I said I did like a whole report on him and um the way he acted and the things he said when he was in prison especially when he wasn't able to get a hold of alcohol he um one he he actually did seem um like police guards and and other people were saying that he did actually seem very um 
like very guilty and and actually a little like like sad about like what he had done i i, I do agree with you i think the i think the the alcoholism um really was having a pretty huge impact um to the point that he actually even um became a christian and like like actually like apologized for his sins like it it definitely seems at the end of his life he was trying to seek redemption um so so i think there is a lot of credence to what you said about that that it does seem like he didn't want to do this like there was a part of him who was like i know this is bad i know i shouldn't do this and but like he felt a need to um and then to the point that you made about like schizophrenia and and um and like uh potentially mind-altering things um do you guys all remember that like that that uh person who put the sniper rifle on the top of tower of that tower in texas so apparently after he had died they did like an autopsy and they found he had a tumor in his brain it was it was there was a tumor who that was messing up his brain and he was having and he had gone to doctors and other people before this had happened it was like hey i think there's something wrong with me i'm i'm not acting the way i've done in the past i'm getting very violent i'm getting very angry i've never been this violent or angry before and they couldn't find anything or or they thought maybe like he was just imagining things and then he goes up on the tower and starts shooting people and gets killed and you do see other cases where people have gotten to accidents where i know one of the big things is um like serial killers sometimes they have head injuries so you hear of some cases where someone was not aggressive at all and then they have a head injury and then they can't control their aggression so that's another thing that scares me is that how much of your brain you know if, if your brain gets traumatized how much does that affect your personality and your, um, I mean, that's where, sorry, this it like gets into the whole soul discussion. Like how much does your soul have to do with how your brain works? Because if you lose that capacity in your brain to have empathy, what's your soul doing about it? You know, like, I don't know. It, it fucks with my head, but yes, that's a very good point is that that was, um, in crazy, not insane. That's one of the points is that some people may have legitimate brain uh, dysfunction that causes them to do something like that. That's really interesting. We're going to follow up more on this topic in the bonus episode. Um, for now, we have to wrap up. We're almost done. We're out of time. Um, but I need to leave time for Queen Victoria. I would like you to tell us all about the stuff you want to promote. I think you promoted your podcast at the beginning, but you didn't mention anything about where people can find your band. Ah, yes. Um, well, just in case you've forgotten, if you go to murlabmedia.com, you can get all of the Murder Lab information. We also, I have a Facebook page. Um, we're on uh, like Google Play and um, iTunes and things like that. The RSS feed is also on the website, so you can put it in any of your podcast apps. So that having been said, if you go to toddthefox.com, then you can find out about our band. Of course, we're not playing as much because of the whole pandemic thing. So we went from playing like literally 60 gigs a year to like four. So we haven't really been playing out as much. We do have a couple gigs um, coming up. So make sure you go there to see how you can find us and, and such. So uh, we do have that. Um, and I do want to say that we recently ha enlisted Pop Rocket Creations to redo our branding. So Brent Bowser actually suggested the guy. They were amazing. So all of our logos and stuff were redone by them. They took graphics that I had created and made them cuter and things like that. So I want to give a shout out to them because they're awesome. Um, and I'm excited because my sister and I, who she is Igor, 
in Murder Lab, she's my socially distant assistant. So she also, every other Monday, has the Crime Keeper podcast, which is part of Murder Lab. And she talks about just basic true crime, like mystery stuff and, you know, just kind of like the general stuff while I focus on serial killers. So last year we went to CrimeCon in um, Austin, Texas, and we're excited because we're going to Vegas this year to CrimeCon. And CrimeCon, if you're not sure, they have, um, like last year, the BTK's daughter actually spoke. And um, so they have all kinds of different people. They have all kinds of famous people that come and speak. And it's just this really cool, interesting convention. So we're very excited. We'll be doing that in April. Oh, that's really, I bet you there's a lot of other true crime podcasters there too. Oh my God. There are so many. Um, True Crime Garage is actually based in Columbus where my sister is. Um, They're there. They're another really good podcast. Um, So they have like Podcast Row where you can actually, you know, talk to the different podcasters and things like that. Well, I have to say that this this episode was just a an amazing soup of combinations of expertise. Anthony, David, Erica, and Victoria, you guys, that was just the perfect combination of topic. Um, I think I may have contributed at least once. Um, so I just want to say, sorry, Brian. Oh, you did a good job, you you missed an incredible opportunity to say this episode was a scream. I'm just saying. Oh, oh yeah. was it? I I, I thought the we, opportunity. I thought we murdered it. Oh. <laughs> That's <laughs> even better. <laughs> so I have been Super Vegan Brian, joined by Kirsty Smurf Erica. Bye. David Theobald the third. Bye everybody. And you, Anthony. Bye everyone. Love you. And thank you so much to our very special guest, Queen Victoria. Murderlabmedia.com <laughs> Stay nerdy, stay informed, and stay awesome. Stay awesome. Stay awesome. Uh, Anthony, say goodbye. Brian, cut him off. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. We're on a show. We're on a show. We're on a show. We're on a show.